Welcome back to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're in the book of Judges, Old Testament. We've made it to chapter 15, if you want to read along with me. Let's begin. We're finding out more about Samson, the powerful Samson and Delilah Samson, although Delilah has not been introduced yet. So anyway, let's begin verse 1 of chapter 15. After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go into my wife, into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. So um, Samson, as I already told you who we're talking about here, that Samson, he's married. We saw that he got married in the previous chapter, and it didn't turn out so good. And so he sort of just left. His wife was then given to his best man. Because back then, as in modern times, women are given in marriage. And um, back then, it was literally as property because she went from being owned by her father to being owned by her husband, as if you could own people. We saw how that went with slavery. It still happens to people now in modern times, unfortunately. But when they say give it in marriage in modern times, the that's considered a celebratory thing. But... This rooted in the same thing, patriarchy and ownership of females. Um, so anyway, back then, he, her, his wife was then given to his best man after he, um, what did they say, committed Harry Carey to 30 of her family members because he fooled them with a riddle. But now he's come back and he wants to see his wife. And one other thing to notice about verse 1, he says, let me go into my wife. Um, in many parts of the Bible back then, going into someone is a euphemism for having sex with them. Um, and it's said in an even more explicit way when they said, when they say come into them, it's the same way you come into somebody in modern times. Um, it's the same thing, only it wasn't considered, um, uh, foul language back then. It's in the Bible many, many times. So anyway, but he's letting his her his father-in-law know he doesn't mean going to her to have sex with her. He just wants to see her. Um, but her father, his father-in-law said, no. Verse 2, her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Is not her youngest younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. So if you wonder about patriarchy in the Bible, you see here's another example of it. He's her, their father, the uh, Samson's wife's father, Samson's father-in-law. Doesn't seem to think much of his daughters at all. As as more than prop, nothing more than property. He's given one daughter away to Samson. Samson left, and apparently, the father thinking, well, he doesn't want her, gave her to the best man, and now, just like that, is offering. <laughs> His wife's younger sister, just like you'd offer a replacement puppy to uh, someone who's looking to buy one from your litter, as if it's nothing. And he's saying, please take her instead, like it, like it's nothing. And Bible thumpers ignore all of this patriarchy and act like, oh, it's nothing. It's how things should be. And they get a lot of women to buy into it, it's usually on the right, right wing, not side of right or righteousness to get to support patriarchy and think that that's what's for them. It's their lot in life to be their husband's helper, to take second place, second fiddle to her man. 
it's such nonsense. It, 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 but it's what people believe. So believe what you want. Um, so here, Samson's wife's been given away, and he's been offered his sister-in-law. Verse 3, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. So Samson is clearly ticked off. Not only has his wife been pressured into betraying him in the previous chapter, now she's been given to another man, his own best man, and now um, he's being offered her sister instead. So he's like, well, if I go off on them this time, then that's on them. It's not on him. Verse 4, then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. Now, this tale sounds like uh, really hard to believe. Like it'd be, it's an article of faith to believe that he went out and actually caught 300 foxes. Where in the world would you find 300 foxes at once? And to catch them? It must have been a den of foxes, or I guess the countryside was overrun with foxes back then. But believe we're just I'm just reading it to you as it says. So he found three hundred foxes and tied their tails together and um put a torch between them. So he's intending arson. Verse five when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the stocks, the shocks, and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and olive groves. So I'm not sure what shocks are. I'd have to search that in since it's probably um, archaic, what it's meaning. Well, I'm going to look just in case. It sounds like it would be a, a stock of where um, the crops are stored, but don't want to assume anything so let me just look and see maybe there will be some definition of it um you know maybe I better look like ag agricultural shocks maybe it'll make more sense because all I'm getting now are the kind of shocks you use in a car so bear with me please let's see and it'll probably bring up agricultural stocks instead of shocks let's see maybe not what are shocks in agriculture okay here we go Weather shocks affect agricultural production through, yeah, it's talking about something else. It's talking about the weather. Um, so rather than keep looking here, I'm just going to hate I reluctantly assume, but it must be something flammable because he set it on fire. It's most likely a, a storage or of crops. Or, you know, like a stockpile of them. That's what it seems like it must be talking about. But whatever it is, he has set it all on fire. He's torched it um, using the foxes. So if you can picture it, he's tied the foxes' tails, tails, tied the foxes together, tail to tail. 
so at least they're not getting burned by it and then set them free so as they're running they can't separate from each other but they can uh, as they run they're going to be forced to go in the same direction um and as they go there's a flame tied to their tails not to burn them but that's going to burn up everything that they come across so if you can picture that he's burned up the crops and stocks of the um philistines and you can imagine how that would make them feel verse six then the philistines said who's done this and they answered samson the son-in-law of the timnite because he was taken because he has taken his wife and given her to his companions so the philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire so look at what happened there um first they wanted to see who did it so they found out samson did it and um and um and so they took revenge on what they did to him because remember they pressured his wife into stabbing him in the back figuratively in the previous chapter so now that they've um now that samson has you know avenged himself on what they did they killed the woman samson's wife and her father who um i guess they blame him for it all since he's the one who gave her in marriage to uh, samson and then also to the companion but then killed the companion uh samson's i mean um samson's wife's husband so if that makes sense samson's best man they didn't didn't kill him and one other thing to notice about that since i mean i am just mentioned that because wouldn't he be the one who owns her then and is in charge of her and wouldn't anything she do did fall back on her husband um but no they took it out on her father the owner of her who sold her in the first place and the other thing to notice is that it mentions the phrase son-in-law there's some churches out there who would have you believe that in the new testament when they say as was supposed referring to joseph the um uh, supposed father of jesus mary's husband um that that's what that as was supposed means it's another way of saying uh in-law son-in-law or father-in-law but that's not what it means at all. We see here all the way back in the Old Testament, they knew how to use the phrase in-law and uh, it, way back then. So why in the world would they switch to saying as was supposed instead of just saying in-laws? It's because that's not what they meant. Um, that's not what they were saying. Verse 7, Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I will cease. So Samson is saying, well, it's going to be uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, tat for tat, tit for tat. He's, since they um, killed his wife uh, and her father, he figures he's justified in going back and taking it out on them. Verse 8, so he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Etam. So apparently it doesn't explain exactly how he's so powerful and strong, but it the way he's described, he's like the Incredible Hulk. He gets angry or gets in his feelings, and it's described as the spirit takes over, and he suddenly becomes very, very powerful, um, my, uh, physically mighty, and able to take out 
a whole groups like groups and groups of men who are against him and like it's nothing and then he goes back and chills so it seems like that's what's happened there he got his revenge and then went back to that cleft of the rock and went there to chill out verse 9 now the philistines went up and camped in judah and just deployed themselves against lehi so the philistines are the people who same people of goliath that philistine giant are they're the people who uh are in control of or govern the land there or at least this part of the land where samson dwells they're the authorities and so they've um gone out after him verse 10 and the men of judah said why have you come up against us so they answered we've come up to arrest samson to do to him as he's done to us so the israelites aren't the only ones who believe in the eye for an eye doctrine the philistines also are going by the same rules playing by the same rules that well whatever he did to them they're entitled to go back and do it to him verse 11 then those then three thousand men of judah went down to the cleft of the rock of etam and said to samson do you not know that the philistines rule over what is this you've done to us and he said to them as they did to me so i've done to them so samson's catching it from both sides the philistines are on his back and his own people are on his back saying well you're you're he's causing trouble making trouble for them um since the philistines have the power the authority verse 12 but samson's not pressed he's like well it's eye for an eye tooth for a tooth they did it to him so he's doing it back to them verse 12 but they said to him we've come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hand of the philistines then samson said to them swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves so samson doesn't quite trust his own people either because um he knows they they've already approached him wondering why he's causing them trouble so it makes sense that he'd wonder if if they just handle it themselves and um call it a day just to take the heat off themselves so he's asking them to swear that they won't verse 13 so they spoke to him saying no but we will tie you up securely and deliver you into their hand but we will surely not kill you and they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock so they didn't have handcuffs but they bound him with ropes <coughs> excuse me and also swore to him that they wouldn't just stab him in the back literally and kill him uh, but they would arrest him and deliver him over to his enemies and their enemies the people who have authority over them similar to the way uh, the um jesus was betrayed by his own people the people of his own uh, religion and then uh, um, arrested and delivered up to the romans who had authority over the land at the time of jesus's ministry or you know his earthly human ministry as we believe or is believe it to have taken place verse 14 when he came to lehi the philistines came shouting against him then the spirit of the lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that it that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands <coughs> excuse me so it's another seemingly incredible hope moment when he was arrested and delivered over to his enemies their enemies the philistines 
it says the spirit um came over him again like the hulk and um his um the bonds that they used to tie him with the ropes became just like a candle um twine like you the like the the wick that you light a candle with it became like that and just like that they were easily broken by him so it's it's painting the picture that once again he had his incredible hulk moment where he was able to just bust through the ropes like they're nothing verse 15 he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it so uh, more articles of faith there to believe that he was able to first just find a jawbone laying around somewhere um and then use that the second part article of faith to kill a thousand men with it so one after the other they just continued attacking him and one after the other he was able to slaughter them all with a jawbone of a donkey that happened to be laying around it seems okay i guess it's possible people have deer heads on their walls after hunting down the deer that didn't have a gun and they used the gun to kill it so i guess it's possible there was a a donkey's bone somewhere on a wall somewhere and he was able to grab it and use it it's high read so that's why we're reading it verse 16 then samson said with the jawbone of a donkey heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey i've slain a thousand men so samson is boasting in his power and his might and ability and ability to slaughter an army of a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey who could blame him he had a mighty moment verse 17 and so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place ramoth lehi so um he was able to kill that army of people with that jawbone and uh so and it was heaps upon heaps of the dead bodies so he named renamed the place ramoth lehi and that translates to jawbone heights and i guess so it's a mound of dead bodies uh, that he created with the jawbone of a donkey verse 18 then he became very thirsty so he cried out to the lord and said you've given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant and now shall i shall he and now shall die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised so he's um having a frank conversation with god and you know just for clarity lord here and in this chapter previously is being translated from the name jehovah so that's the entity that um um samson is um interacting with and talking to praying to basically and he's saying well you've helped me out here and delivered me from this army of people but are you going to let him now die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised so we know what uncircumcised means that's the literal um, genital mutilation that's um, condoned sanctioned in the bible and yet modern bible thumpers point to transgender people um having elective surgery as um, genital mutilation but ignore the fact that babies who have no choice in it get their genitals mutilated all the time in the name of religion such hypocrites such hypocrisy that such stupidity to not even notice it but you know that's what bible thumpers do
So anyway, he's um begging the Lord and, you know, questioning the Lord, having a moment with the Lord, saying, is that how you're going to play it out? Is that how you're going to let it play out? Let me have victory over my enemies and then let him uh, die of thirst and then fall to his enemies because he's thirsty. Verse 19, so God split the hollow place that is in Lehi and water came out of it and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he revived. Therefore, he called its name in Hakor, which in Le which is in Lehi to this day. So um, here, um, you, you know, recognize that phrase to this day, letting us know that this is someone who's reflected back on these events and scribed them, wrote them down, um, and let us know that at the point that this was scribed, um, that um, that uh, site, that place, Lehi still existed up until that time that this was recorded for us for the Book of Judges. Um, uh, one other thing about this verse, God is being translated from, let's see... From the word Elohim here. And notice God is just capital G. Not all in caps. Where we've read it before. When it's all in caps. It's usually translated. Or so far been translated from. The same name Jehovah. But when it just when it's just a capital G. It's translated in this instance. From the word Elohim. Um, you know just as a. As a side note. How it changes. Um, and then one other thing, let's see, notice how, just like that, on demand, he was able to get a supernatural uh, occurrence, a miracle of getting a rock to split open and give him water. And we've read how that's happened with Moses, and we've read, uh, I seem to recall it somewhere else where it happened like that, maybe even twice with Moses. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But you see here how... Um, how people are able to get these different supernatural occurrences it seems like on demand from uh, the Lord and yet people go thirsty all the people can't seem to get water in modern times in places like Mississippi or places like Flint Michigan um, and get toxic water even with the government's help end up getting toxic water for I don't know how long Flint's been dealing with it years and years and Mississippi probably has too only theirs has just recently come to the headlines and yet again uh, it's right-wing religious hypocrites claiming to care about the sanctity of life but not giving a hoot about poisonous water being given to people and of course in Mississippi it's mostly black people who are suffering under it just as a side note that you notice how it, the wickedness of white supremacy permeates so many different aspects of life, for sure in America, but probably all around the world. Just as another example, you, we've seen other headlines recently where a so-called so superhero at sports, a football star, has now just been caught um, committing welfare fraud in league with the governor uh, of, a, of a state and neither one of them has been arrested. Neither one of them gets called out as hypocrites or welfare, or welfare queens. None of that stuff at all. Both of them just get to keep living their life, not getting shot in the back, 
uh, like unarmed black people get shot, not hauled off to jail and figure out the details later. Not at all. They just get to keep moving. And it's just one more example. Just like that Alex Jones caught lying on the stand during a trial and he gets a warning after warning after warning. He doesn't get arrested. He doesn't get thrown into jail, not into custody, just like 45, uh, just like another football star got caught with the whole deflate gate he did gets to keep all his championships gets called the greatest of all time and gets employed again meantime colin kaepernick still can't get hired by a league that doesn't have even one black owner it's just such wickedness just such obvious white supremacy just everywhere you turn if you look for it and if you don't look for it then aren't you part of the problem because if you're if you see uh, a wickedness if even children even a teacher will see children they'll tell children if you see one of your classmates getting bullied you should stop it you should intervene if you see wickedness going on in front of your eyes you shouldn't just turn your head the other way and pretend you don't see it you should act against it not pretend it's all okay and it's not all okay and you see it's white supremacy and nothing more some one of my someone i know Tried to say, no, it's not white supremacy. It's the elites getting away with things. It's rich people getting away with things. But that's a lie also. That's just another popular lie. Because O.J. Simpson was rich. Bill Cosby was is rich. Um, R. Kelly is rich. And yet, they all experienced the so-called justice system being thrown into jail. One Or at least um, being arrested and having the so-called justice system pursue them. And then the same person tried to say, well, O.J., if O.J. didn't kill his uh, wife, I don't know who did. That's not the point. Whether O.J. did it or not, he was still arrested and went through the so-called justice system. He went through a trial and was found and was acquitted. That's more than all the people I just named, the football stars, the previous president, and Alex Jones have been through, and they've been caught red-handed breaking the law. Uh, O.J. was not caught red-handed and was acquitted. Uh, Bill Cosby and R. Kelly were caught and tried, and it, it's just it's obvious white supremacy. Money is not the uh, deal maker or breaker. The complexion for, for protection is because here it is now. Like I said, all those other people caught committing all those different crimes seem to just get away with it, and the media doesn't seem to say much about it, and politics just moves on as if it's nothing if you have the right complexion it's really disgusting it's really sick but it is what it is but you see here um um samson was able to rage up like the raise rise up like the hulk defeat his enemies and get the lord to act on his behalf even splitting open a rock for him and then it says his spirit returned and it, it makes it seem again like it's an incredible hulk moment where the spirit, capital S spirit, overtook him before and he seemed to have great strength and victories. And then it wore him out to the point where he was famished. And the Lord, and again, I'm just saying it's Lord since that's how it reads, intervened for him, split a rock open and gave him water for his thirst. And then it says his spirit, lowercase s spirit, return so it's like his um he's changed back to david banner or i think that was his name in the hulk he's changed back to his regular self and uh his might is basically um his anger and might and rage ended 
verse 20 and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines so that was just one story of his exploits with the might and the spirit overtaking him and him being able to be victorious over scores and scores of uh, people who arose up against him um, and then it for 20 years he was able to be the next judge because remember that's what the book of judges is about different leaders that arose after the era of Moses and Joshua he was the next one at this point in the narrative Samson that is um, but we saw in the previous chapter one of his weaknesses was his um was women his um interest in um women who please him well and I'm pretty sure that's what we're gonna uh, read about in the coming chapters as we meet Delilah but as far as this chapter that was the last verse so that's where we're going to end this reading as always I appreciate you reading along with me and hope the naked truth is a blessing for you and that you'll join me again and just one last thing again I don't mention these things about the parallels in uh, white supremacy um now as um with the different how it parallels with some of the things we read about here i don't mention that because i hate white people uh i'm part white myself i have white people white people in my own family tree just as we all have black people in our family trees all you have to do is be willing to look for the truth and you'll see it's there uh like and you don't have to take my word for it uh take a beautiful blonde white man's word for it. he did a documentary called the human family tree it's a wonderful documentary it should be required uh, video for children in elementary school to nip a bud in the nonsense of racism but look it up yourself it's called the human family tree documentary and you'll see there's no one alive today on earth who does not trace their lineage their roots their heritage back to people who are in Africa and we know what people who are in Africa look like they have dark skin so anyway I hope you'll join me again for the naked truth I love you and I'll see you next time peace be with you